Hello, everyone. Welcome to a, another Chaos and Comics podcast. This is a, another preview show, as you could probably see by the title of this uh, this particular podcast. Um, so I'm gonna I'm trying different where I'm sort of cutting them up. I'm gonna do Image and Dark Horse, uh, DC and Marvel are already available. These are just talking about April 2021 releases. Uh, normally, you could do this a lot earlier, but um, uh, this is as much for me as for anyone else because I, I take a look and uh, and I think about it before I would do this podcast, the books I want and how much I'm going to spend, etc., uh, etc. Et uh, and then and then talking about it helps too, right? And sometimes you find some stuff like going through the solicits again. I I realize that hey, I feel like. Uh, Mike Mignola and Hellboy has gotten like too far out of hand for me, which is probably not true. But, but when I see him do his Outerverse stuff, oh, that doesn't feel as out of hand. I can hop in and around on that. So uh, that's, for example, something that happened. Also, uh, I can separate. We're going to see how this goes with the indie books because I could separate Marvel and DC, and I could talk, you know, talk about releases even if I'm not reading them or picking them up. Right, because they're the Bat family, or I can link it to news or what DC's doing in general. Uh, but it might be a little bit more weird for indie books that I happen not to be reading there in the middle, you know, or that maybe I want to read later and should I be reading the solicit? So, an example here is the very first one is, uh, is Birthright, which uh, I do have volume one uh, out there on, on the bookshelf uh, by Joshua Williamson, and uh, and you know, I'm going to mention it, I guess, but I'm not going to read a solicit or anything. So we'll see how that works out. Also, I'm linking um, two indie companies. I'm going to go ahead and put together Dark Horse and Image, and then I'll see how it goes for the rest of them, or or if I can even find time to do them. But uh, but this is something I like to do. I get to talk about comics in detail. I prefer after I read them, right? But uh, you know, talking about how excited you are, or unexcited you are, is also fun too, especially when you are unexcited uh, and you read it and it exceeds expectations and even better is the rare occasion where you are excited about something and you read it and it exceeds those expectations so anyway let's get on to it so like i said uh i'll probably mostly go in alphabetical order and the first thing i see here is well actually big hard sex criminals hardcover so uh, i think this is that this is not even the larger sized but it is 300 pages, so it's essentially the compendium of sex criminals. Uh, sex criminals is something a lot of people liked, but I, I got bored of it. And if you know me, I like, you know, potty humor and stuff, and and I love Fraction and Zdarsky. So it was just weird that I got bored of it. Uh, you know, I love Money Shot that Tim Seeley did. So it's not like being a prude thing. I just didn't think it was that funny, and uh, and I don't know why, because that's like right in my wheelhouse, but. One day I'll give it another try. I, I have like three trades, and that's where I stopped uh, reading it in trades. And um, I am a victim of one time being uh, being in the comic book line and uh, sex. One of the one of the trades of sex criminals was in my hand, and like a, there just happened to be a mom in there with her kid. It, it, most people's minds, right? The comic store is for kids, but uh, obviously. If you go to them a lot, you know it's older white males, um, and if not older white males, it's older males in general. But uh, um, 
Yeah, she asked me what I was reading and I think she expected like Spider-Man or something like that. And I was like, oh, sex criminals. And I look really weird. Anyway, uh, that did not make me stop buying it, though. I did buy the third trade still. Uh, Birthright 48, like I said, Joshua Williamson. That's uh, This is something that looks really cool. I have the first trade. I don't want to read solicits. I know it's ending soon. Um, uh, uh, I always want these fantasy books to be, you know, I'm always afraid that these fantasy books that are meant to be epic, they're just going to get canceled. Um, or, or some of these like high concept um, science fiction books like Tartarus. I don't know how that's still going. I'm getting volume two soon, but uh, Birthright is one that's proven to have done it, you know, and, uh, and there's just no reason not to read something like that. Like, why wouldn't I read it if I, I know that it's epic and I can get it for probably pretty cheap in trade. And, and so I don't know why I would risk necessarily buying new fantasy, except for that I do podcasts and YouTube and talk to people online about it. Uh, and, and I enjoy that piece of, of the comic book world. But um, if one of my complaints is that, it, you know, there's not enough time to be epic because you might be canceled, there's Birthright sitting right in front of me. I wish the realm would have gone on this. That was when they got canceled. Um, and you can get all these Birthrights for you know, under 12 bucks if you're pre-ordering them, um, at least on, on Gmart. Uh, next up is Bitterroot number 12. So uh, I, I bought the single issues for Bitterroot and I really loved it. And, um, you know, it, it got some fame outside. I mean, if you get an iota of interest outside of the comic book world, you, you have a chance to be a, a very big or important comic. The irony is, is that if you don't, it just feels like the base doesn't talk about Bitterroot as much as they should be. Um, you know, especially like, I guess they do in the context of, of comics by black creators. Um, so I, I guess it just depends what corner of the internet you're on. Cause, uh, I didn't feel like anyone was really talking about Philadelphia, even though I thought it was cool enough. Um, and then I just met some people that are really into it. And, and now it feels like I don't really understand why they would read Philadelphia, not Bitterroot necessarily, or, or, uh, or the excellence um, you know, both, uh, all three really good books by, um, by black creators. Uh, but Bitterroot is just on, you know, Philadelphia is a book, uh, by a black writer and, you know, he does screenplays and stuff. So it's not necessarily, you know, it's not necessarily talking about social issues. Um, although I, I he probably doesn't skirt them. Um, uh, Bitterroot is explicitly about that. I'm told that this second arc that I'm getting the, um, trade for soon, I'm told that, that's more about grief and stuff where that first one was very specifically about racism. So, um, you know, David Walker, Chuck Brown, Sanford Green, uh, David Walker, it is Chuck Brown and Sanford Green are going to uh, continue on and uh, I'm going to continue reading it because I just think it's pretty cool. Um, and then uh, something I will buy the trade of, uh, I wonder if it's going to be all eight issues, but uh, I didn't see uh, a volume one of this is Bliss by Sean Lewis and Caitlin Yarsky. So Caitlin Yarsky is an artist I really like. I feel like she should get a little bit more uh, attention. There's a podcast out there called uh, Talking Comics that's that's pretty popular. And I mean, when they do go long, sometimes they're a little bit grating on, on some things. Um, you know, they gush over some things a little too much. But it is a really good podcast, so I shouldn't even said that because it is still one of my favorite ones. And uh, they really like Caitlin. One of those guys really likes Caitlin Yarsky there. And, and she's not someone that like pops up a lot. So when I read Bliss, I go, oh, I do like this art. And Bliss was, you know, by Sean Lewis was, uh, 
it was like this very subtle first issue. Uh, it felt like a felt like one of those um, felt like one of those books or movies that are about drugs that like just slowly build to something very negative actually. Uh, and then you got this piece where it felt like you're in a a a like a Star Wars cantina sort of like without space travel though, right? Like it's just it turned out there were these like you know anthropomorphic animals or something. So uh, I I liked that first issue. I think I bought the second issue too and may have read it, um, but it, it was uh, definitely at the time where uh, I was deciding to trade weight stuff. And so I'm trade weighting this, and I don't remember now that it's eight. That seems to imply that there may be four issue um, trades coming out, or maybe one big giant trade, which would be which would be very cool. Uh, Commanders in crisis. So Steve Orlando has branched out, so it's not like he hasn't done uh, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, other work. But you, you really associate for years and years. You just associate Steve Orlando with DC. Right, so he's uh, knee deep in Commanders in Crisis. I I don't know, I don't know what's going on. I feel like in the four or five comic stores I go to, they, they had a lot of issue number one. So there's a chance that they can return them, that they were returnable or something. Sometimes that happens. I don't know the ins and outs. Um, but uh, you know, Steve Orlando is someone that's going to make sh- you know make sure that uh, gay people are represented in comics. Um, from some of these covers, it looked like that was the case. Uh, yeah, I'm about to read Black Hammer though again, and and I didn't give Black Hammer a fair shake, you know, four years ago or five years ago, whenever it was coming out, uh, because I just didn't want more spin-off superhero books. And and I mean, I'm going to talk about this subject again in a few minutes when we get to um, Radiant Black. Uh, so I, I I skipped it except for number one, which I bought, and I still haven't read it yet. So. Uh, I don't know that if it's I don't know if it's good or bad or what he's doing or if it's another de- deconstruction of comics or if it's just him being able to tell the stories he wants the super stories superhero stories he actually wants without anyone stopping him. It could be any number of those things. So um, you know, Commanders in Crisis is something that I don't I don't really know anyone that's I think they're at issue four by now that are is really reading it closely and um, and for whatever reason some people. Uh, I guess this happens with any writer, but more people in my corner, they're they're not like 100% pro Steve Orlando guys. And I know other people that are. So I really liked Martian Manhunter. So I've liked what I've read of Steve Orlando's. I'm by no means a uh, an expert on him. And uh, his his he recently had an original graphic novel that came out on Aftershock. Um, I think it was called uh, Not to Kill a Man. That's a Cypress Hill song. But um, it was an MMA book. Uh, and also with a, a gay uh, a gay protagonist, but that was a good that was pretty good. Uh, it sort of worked out the way I, I expected a little bit, so in that sense, it wasn't surprising, you know. But um, generally, pretty good. So, Commanders in Crisis is is something I have to keep my eye out to see what people are saying. Um, do I want to add another book to in my mind? Because there's also a library in my mind of two things to read. Kind of, you know, like Birthright, there's like 10 volumes of that already. So I have to even start choosing, uh, being choosy about things I plan to read in the future. Because there's not even, there's not even time to be hypothetical about it at this point. You know, um, and then the trade's already out. So, and that'll be, I mean, it's not a $9.99 trade. Normally you get, I guess it's going to be a mini series. Generally, the, people don't realize the $9.99 trades are 
the comics that look like they're going to continue on. They're not just like with a definite end. I've noticed that about Image. They'll do $9.99 for these books that are going to go on for a while or that are at least nearly ongoing. Uh, crossover number six is out. So Donny Cates and, and Jeff Shaw. So yeah, this book is like a microcosm of the way I feel about Donny Cates. Uh, it is really good and it is overrated. So I think the problem when you say those two things is that people think they're, people don't realize they're mutually exclusive. Something can be overrated and still be good. You know, something can be underrated and still not be that good. Um, you know, and, and we don't often like put those things together. And, and I think that's true about crossover. I've really enjoyed it. Like the concept is actually it's really original by using things that make you not that original, right? So like by this time, if you're reading it, if you're waiting, there's gonna be a minor spoiler, but Madman shows up in issue three or whatever it was, right? So that's pretty cool, right? And the concept that these superheroes have come somewhere and they like, you know, they they have Ben Day dots, that's how you can tell them. And there's almost a little bit of a, a mutant thing going on where the world hates them because they came to our world or what, you know what I mean? So a few tropes, but it's like this original cool idea, uh, even cooler on the, uh, they let him use characters sort of level that uh, mostly are, have been indie. So like a lot of cool things are happening in it. Uh, the story does feel like it's running a little slow to me uh, through issue four, but then Donny Cates has a way of, and I think the reason he's popular is uh, he has a way of like doing something cool enough and surprising that it sticks with you for a while. Because if you really think about it, like his Venom run, you know, after he introduced Noel in like issue three or four, it was cool and everyone liked it, but it was really running off of those two stories, that issue three and four, for like the next 31 issues. Um, you know, and then it just looked like Donny Cates playing with toys, playing with Carnage, and you know. Um, so he's a good writer, and he's a fun writer, and I do think he's overrated, but I also think he's pretty good. So I stick, I stick with him for most things, and, uh, and I'll stick with Crossover, because it is pretty good. Um, but that, it is what it is. He's just the hot guy right now, so people are going to have those opinions about him. Uh, Deadly Class is out, so you're either on in on that or not. So Rick Remender, uh, I think he's a good writer when I read him. I just don't read Deadly Class. and uh, But apparently a lot of you guys do because it's been around for so long. So uh, Decorum, the hardcover, came out, and I want to get it. Uh, but I think, I think I'm going to do one of those things where I, I'm going to wait and hope that some like bigger library edition eventually comes out. Because this is already 26 bucks. I have... Um, I have, you know, I, by this time I'll have read one through eight and, um, and, uh, uh, you know, the real pull for decorum is like Jonathan Hickman has his like things going on and his white pages and his explanatory, all, all that stuff's going on, right? It's, it's a Jonathan Hickman book. It feels like unused ideas for his, the cosmic part of his X-Men run, like the stuff we've gotten hints about in, in, in House of X and Powers of Ten, um, but it was just so beautiful. I mean, Mike Huddleston did probably his career work 
on it and I want that art on big pages. I, I hope at some point we get decorum in a size book that uh, Adventure Man came out on. Uh, that book by Fraction and um, the, uh, uh, what's the, uh, the Dobsons, um, that the, I was going to say father-son team, but it's a husband-wife team. Uh, next up is Deep Beyond. I bought number one, man, people were really hard on Deep Beyond uh, by Mirka Andolfo. And, uh, you know, I bought it and I, I read the first few pages and I haven't read it since. And... You know, Mirka Andolfo is a good writer. I'm still trying to read Mercy. So Mercy's like in my backpack along with, I just uh, finished rereading These Savage Shores. I wanted to reread These Savage Shores now that I'm a big Rom V guy. So it's sitting there along with Firepower, which I'll probably talk about in a minute, and uh, and Mercy. So I don't know why. I'm probably not going to continue reading, uh, get, picking up Deep Beyond and Singles. And I don't know that I'll, I'll get it in trade either. I got to give... Uh, I got to give Mirka Andolfo her chance is going to come through Mercy and one other book I'm reading. And I do really like the art. I think the art's uh, really, really nice. So um, who knows? Maybe I'll find something that someone else is writing. And uh, and it's just really finished. And, you know, sometimes like like if you're a punk rock, if you're a punk guy or a metal guy, you, like you don't want something overproduced. You know, you want it to have some soul with it. it doesn't have to be said and when we hear you know our favorite band's fourth album when they got to the major label and it's overproduced you're you get annoyed by that uh and Mirka Andolfo is exactly that but in a good way like it just feels fresh and nice and good you know um so that's deep beyond that's only going to 12 I don't think anyone understands it neither do I so by the time Department of Truth number eight comes out. I'll have been caught up. So I really did like number one and I loved the art. I think there's a new artist on it, possibly. Uh, at least for this, the issue that just came out as I recorded this. Um, but I don't remember who was drawing it. So Martin Simmons, I feel like Martin Simmons was doing it before. So number eight's coming out. Shinkevich actually has uh, the cover, the B cover of Department of Truth number eight. So that might be something just to grab for fun. Uh, but my... Uh, the trade for volume one will will I'll have read that by the time this number eight comes out in April. Um, like I said, I liked issue number one, uh, and I don't I don't think I read issue number two. Although I'm starting to think I did, because I did read issue number two because issue number one it's cliffhanger. I could remember that character. <coughs> Excuse me, being in issue number two. So uh, I'll have read it, and that's one that was nine ninety nine, by the way. So the the expectation is that Department of Truth will continue on for James Tynan, 2020's hottest writer. So uh, let us move on uh, to Firepower. So I mean, anything Robert Kirkman does, it just gets to go on. Uh, I feel like some people are liking this. I mean, obviously, some people are because you know, even Robert Kirkman wouldn't stand for a, a book that had zero sales to go on. Um, I'm one of the people that did read volume one first. So for those that don't know, uh, the first release or the first part came out in a graphic novel. You could have picked up Firepower number one, right? Which started volume two. That's a little weird, right? Uh, you could have picked that up and, and, and I guess been fine, but I feel like you would have missed a lot. So volume one was really, from what I've read so far, it's it's more or less a typical, um, a typical 
a kung fu book. You know, the guy goes and climbs a mountain in Tibet or whatever and finds a temple and learns, right? That's what volume one was, but it was pretty good. I read through number one and two, and I decided it was going to be something I read in trade. And, and that was, that was uh, you know, very influenced by just liking volume one in that sense. You know, because I, I, I read number two and I, I, I read the back of what Kirkman and the writer were, they have a little conversation in the back and I got it. Like it read fast because it was an action book, you know, taking place in the dark. There wasn't a lot of, uh, a lot of dialogue. So I get it, but you, you still felt ripped off. Like reading it still felt like a little bit boring. Where if I read that and when I reread it, it's sitting in my bag, if when I read issue number two again in the context of reading the whole volume, I think, I think it might read a little bit better and a little bit more fun to me that a, a section of the book goes really fast. Um, you know, other than that, for me to go on to volume three, uh, so after what's essentially either 12 issues or 10 issues, um, it's going to have to feel like a little bit more than a typical Kung Fu book because that's what it feels like to me right now. And that's my, that's what I feel like I'm reading. So I know some people were excited about some stuff that happened in, um, in what would be the end of volume two. So, uh, maybe I will be too, and we'll see. I'll get back to you. Uh, Geiger. So Jeff Johns, and this is something I might pick up here. So uh, Geiger, Jeff Johns, looks like he's teaming up with Gary Frank. So uh, a couple guys that are uh, famous for a lot of their DC work, right? And um, listen, I mean, more popular than vampires. We give a lot of crap to vampires. More popular, probably just slightly less popular than superheroes, although this crosses over to every big superhero book, is the post-apocalyptic world. I'm even going to talk about a book called Post-Apocalypse in a minute. Um, so uh, Jeff Johns is you know, throwing his hat again, probably, into the post-apocalyptic world um, uh, uh, storylines. So I've just accepted it. I, I just find, I say I'm tired of vampires. It seems like I read three or four vampire books. So it is what it is, right? I like the writers. I like the I like Vampire the Masquerade. I like Philadelphia. I like the little nuances that they change with it. So I do it, right? And so I guess post-apocalyptic now is the same thing. I'm just, I'm just resigning to the fact that it happens and I have to find the good stories within it and stop complaining about it being a trope. And uh, I think that the solicit is worth it to read here. So who are the scavengers of a dying earth? It's going to sound really generic, but we're going to trust Jeff Johns. Geiger is set in the years since a nuclear war ravaged the planet. Desperate outlaws battle for survival in a world of radioactive chaos. Chaos in comics, right? Uh, out past the poison wasteland lives a man. Even the night crawlers and the organ people fear. There's always cannibals, right? So, some name him John, Joe Glow, others the Meltdown Man. Uh, oh no, my solicit got cut short. My solicit got cut short. Um, the Meltdown Man, but his name is Geiger. Oh, I didn't cut short, I'm just an idiot. So, uh, hey, that sounds about as generic as can be, but I'm ready, I'm ready to read some Jeff Johns that uh, isn't him um, doing DC stuff or doing D Doomsday Clock or something. So. I'm in for that, and uh, and uh, his three jokers partner, um, 
Jason Faybuck is actually doing one of the covers. So I probably should have pre-ordered that to be honest, to get that cover that sometimes that C cover doesn't just show, doesn't show up as much. Oh, I guess I pre-ordered the glow in the dark book. So I, you know, I love gimmicks. Turns out that's what I pre-ordered. I should have seen that the Faybach one was there, but who knows if that's good or not. Um, so Gideon Falls will have uh, their volume six trade paperback uh, out. I loved volume one. You're gonna see, as you can see, it's a very common thing for me to read volume one and maybe volume two and not finish stuff. So I loved volume one and everyone told me that I haven't even touched the weirdness of Gideon Falls, which is good because Jeff Lemire is weird. Everything he writes is weird. And uh, I really just thought Andrew, uh, Andrea Sorrentino's worked in it, or artwork worked in it. And uh, I really only know one person that, one like group that didn't like it, uh, the Comic Shop News uh, friends over there, uh, which is strange to me. You know, I think they may have just not been in the mood and then continued to dig a hole because uh, Gideon Falls has a lot of fans and, and I'm definitely one of them. Um, Tim Seeley, love his work. I don't ever, I have never read his his seminal work or his uh, continuing work, which is the hack slash stuff. And that's, uh, there's a like a deluxe hardcover coming out of that. So hey, some uh, fun stuff to talk about in the H's. Ha ha number four will come out. Ha ha. And... Um, so far, at this point recording this, I've read number one and two. I've liked them both. Uh, um, number one felt like an ace Ice Cream Man issue, which is not something bad. Uh, Ice Cream Man has been hit or miss the last few. <coughs> um, and that would have been a, like a so-so Ice Cream Man uh, issue, like number one. And then number two is like weird existential crisis stuff with a, a, a woman that had mental health issues and taking her daughter and the weird sort of situations that they get uh, put in that uh, W. Maxwell Prince is actually very, very good at. Um, you know, all the, the, and I say it a lot and I'm gonna say it here, the, he's just the guy for existential dread. Sometimes it's horror, sometimes it's not, but it's always existential dread. It's like he read John Paul Sartre and he read Camus and he read uh, Nietzsche and just uh, set everything, everything negative that can happen from those philosophies, just set it in everyday life, you know, with maybe a little horror or fantasy or ghost story stuff in there and, and, and just sets it in. So he's really good for that. And, and to be honest, King of Nowhere did that too in a, in a different way, more plot driven though, um, still very enjoyable. So I, I wanna look at some of Maxwell Prince, Prince's pre-Ice Cream Man stuff, because I was unfamiliar with him before then, as far as I know, I may have read something and not realized it was him. So um, I wanna do that, uh, just to sort of try to get a bead on what he actually does. Hey, something that was easy for me to grab, it just looked cool. Uh, I always grab these crazy fantasy looking books. It is called Helm Grey Castle. It is a number one that will come out. Art looks pretty cool. Um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm very big on um, not for the sake of it. I just like that it's happening uh, and that we get to ex explore it more. So, so very big on uh, any kind of minority group or, or it, you know, and it's not necessarily race, right? But even for gender things, I'm really big on that getting developed. Um, and so uh, I think we see a lot of it or we're seeing a lot of it for women. We're seeing a lot of it for um, uh, LBGT, LBG, 
TQ plus, I don't know. Um, we're seeing a lot of it for African-Americans, not a lot on the Latin side, you know, not a ton anyway. And it's hard to do, right? Because you, you, you have to work in language stuff sometimes, look or sound corny, and, and there's some examples. But this one is one on the fantasy level. And as far as I know, I've never seen something like this. And I'm, ex I'm just wildly interested to see how it works out. So this is Helm Grey Castle. It's one of four. Uh, so it's a, not a big commitment. Uh, New Latinx Fantasy by uh, Henry Barajas. And so I've never read any Barajas. La Voz de Mayo. Uh, uh, Tatarambo. So I don't know. The Last Dragon Prince has been abducted, kept prisoner by an unknown threat. Uh, Aztec Mexica. So Helm Greycastle and his outsider comrades are here to save the prince, but are recruited by a resistance plotting to overthrow Montezuma. So, hey, that, like... You don't really see much like that. So if I get cool fantasies set in, you know, with Mexican folklore, um, you know, essentially if, what if J.R.R. Tolkien was, uh, you know, writing in Mexican folklore more, then I'm going to take it. I'm jumping on that. Looks pretty cool to me. A uh, couple cool, a uh, bunch of cool covers to choose from for those that uh, want that uh, kind of stuff. Um, so I decided not to get home which is next up by uh, Julio Anta and uh, Anna Vieschuk. Uh But I, I still might. It's just not pre-ordered. Uh, this looks like a real slice of life thing. It may be the art that didn't get me, so the art looks like it's going to be YA. Uh, but uh, it's another... This is a little bit more closer to home kind of thing, you know, when a young boy is torn away from his mother while seeking asylum at the U.S. border kind of thing. I s still might pick that up, but we'll see. Um, something that I'm all in for, uh, is homesick pilots. I really like Dan Waters. I loved his Lucifer work. Uh, I, I, I started reading a lot of his older work. Um, and then, uh, you know, mix him in with Rom V and the white noise guys, which I'll, I'll talk about a lot. Alex Packnadel and, uh, Ryan O'Sullivan. So I just started digging into their stuff and I will stick with homesick pilots. I think they do read better in trade. I've enjoyed the trades a lot. Uh, but Homesick Pilots is weird and interesting enough that I'll, I'll stay with it. And Casper uh, Wingard has been actually doing pretty cool art in it, um, you know, especially at the beginning. So Homesick Pilots, man, and, and the White Noise Group. Let's do it. Uh, Inkblot, number seven. I, I, I said I was going to get this in trade. Um, this is a, you know, it's the only book like explicitly doing the Marvel method. <laughs> um, but I didn't, I, you know, if I bought it, if I bought volume one, then I'll read it. But if I didn't, I, I'm just going to go ahead and, and let it move on. I know some people out there that I follow are reading it, so I'll keep an eye on them, I guess, you know, but it, it seemed like a little bit too just disjointed, like something else. Maybe it shouldn't have been so random, but it, that's hard for me to say. I like number one. I like the idea. I was more of a thought experiment to, for me to continue reading it, and, and it didn't work out. Um, something you'd think I'd get is the Jules Verne Lighthouse, number one, because I loved uh, what uh, David Hine and Haverland did uh, with um, Sonata. I was one of the, son the Sonata fans, right? I didn't read The Marked, so it looks like that's the uh, same team that did The Marked, but... Um, 
I'm right in my, you know, right in my wheelhouse too. I guess the Jules Verne thing probably made me think it was like a licensed comic or something. But at the edge of the galaxy, there's a giant supercomputer known as the Lighthouse. So I'm not going to read that whole solicit, but um, I should make a note. I'm going to make a note that uh, instead of getting it from my online LCS, I'll make sure my uh, I'll make sure my local LCS gets that. I've been trying to support them a little bit more. Uh, anyway, um, Carmen number two by, I don't know if we should say Gillam March or Guillem March. The problem is that last name doesn't sound Spanish, but the first name sounds like a, 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 a Hispanic first name I've never really heard or ran into before. Um, but Carmen number one looked good, so I'm definitely going to try number one. This is definitely the kind of book, though, where I buy the number one, I read it, and then really see if I if I want to continue with it. So I, I don't know about this book yet, but uh, it looks interesting. And I do have an affinity for the books where the writer and the artist are the same person. So, you know, where it's uh, just a, a one mind creation. Although I love that most comics are, you know, uh, uh, are multiple people uh, collaborating. But when I do see it, it, it makes me go, oh, I want to see that a little bit closer, you know. Uh, except for when I'm really used to it, like Jeff Lemire's books which I still buy, right? But um, Monstrous number 33. Now, this is a book I really have to just bite down and read. I, I've read um, uh, the third trade paperback. So this is like one of my books where I can honestly be caught up and not be the guy that I continue to be where I just read one trade or one arc or something like that or two trades or whatever. Uh, and it's back. So I, I technically could have caught up. So there's volume three. So volume four and five are, are available. Um, I'll probably reread volume three because it came out so long ago or I would have read it so long ago. But yeah, that's just an epic world, man. And it's just, and the art is so beautiful and it feels so big by uh, the art by Sana Takata and then uh, Marjorie M. Liu uh, writes it, of course, and won multiple Eisners. And the art is so big and beautiful and detailed that it, it just feels so epic that you really want to take your time and read it and sometimes that stops people from opening books which is stupid but it, it, is, it is what it is uh moonshine number one that's a brian azarello book a long run or i was gonna say long running but it's only 24 i thought that was into its 40s too um and uh you know by the time noctera number two comes out we'll really have a feel for this i mean a lot of people are going to jump on this because you know scott snyder is probably one of our uh, biggest writers, uh, of course, on his Batman runs and, and death metal. But uh, I'm really excited to see his his solo stuff alone. Um, of course, Undiscovered Country has been really cool. Uh, but he's, you know, sometimes that feels more like a Charles Soule book, to be honest. It feels like Scott Snyder's wacko ideas and then Charles Soule's like organizing it. That's what Undiscovered Country feels like, which we'll get to. But I have like high hopes for no Noctera. Um, and uh, being married to a Polish person, I want to call it Nocterra, but that's how they would say it, that C becomes a, a, a T-S. Um, and uh, hey, here's one that I plan to finish because I know it's only 15 issues, is Nomen Omen, number 14. I've read the first trade. Uh, I couldn't find the second trade for cheap, so I can wait on it. And it's on, literally, it's on number 14, uh, and so there's only two more issues left. So it's going to get to the end. I'm excited by that. Art was really cool. Um, like I said earlier, it has it had that like real finished look to it. 
but still very beautiful. So Mirka Andolfo-esque. I, I didn't, I don't know uh, Jacopo Camagni. I'm assuming that's been the artist the whole time very well, but I enjoyed it. Um, and it has a real magic bent. Uh, so very magician-ish, very like, like in the, but like in the way, not like in the way of Doctor Strange, like, oh, we have magic, right? Like pro-magic, like Promethea was or something like that. So Nomen, Nomen Omen number 14, uh, I enjoyed uh, volume one enough that, uh, that I will stick with it. Um, man, Greg Greco is back on Old Guard. So I believe this is the third volume of Old Guard. I read the first one. Um, it makes sense that he'd be churning these out because the movie was pretty successful on Netflix and I hope they continue these. So <laughs> he'll be able to, um, you know, at least make a, a well for them to take a few ideas from. Um, I, I may not be as big a Leandro Fernandez fan as some people, but uh, I still, I still, I got used to the artwork. It, it, to me, it felt like it was a while before it really fit. But if you know me, my favorite thing is um, like a very specific style and that's Leandro Fernandez has that. So now it would, it's like to the point where it would feel weird if someone else drew Old Guard, right? Uh, Ice Cream Man similar, right? Like you just have um, uh, Martin Moraz's Mraz, style. I, I forget his name. So um, attached to it. So when that when that um, anthology Ice Cream Man book came out, like the art was fine, but it just didn't feel right, right? So Old Guard is a little bit like that. Leandro Fernandez sort of really works with it. So um, uh, what's next? Oh, Post Americana. So. This is one I'm going to trade weight, so it'll be on number five. I read issue number one, so Steve Scrochi. Uh, this is another one where it's writer, artist, same person. Man, a lot of detailed stuff. I would say if you liked Little Bird's art, right? The I, Actually, to be honest, the book isn't that different. But if you liked Little Bird's art, then uh, Post Americana has a, a chance for you art-wise. Um, you know, cartoony but very detailed. Um you know, I wouldn't say Steve Scrochi and, and Ian Bertram are exactly the same, but um, you know, they they don't necessarily go for super realism in their style of art, uh, but they also don't look like a lot of this like manga influenced, um, uh, more cartoony art, right? So I, I would put like um, uh, Scrochi or Scrosi, I can't pronounce his name, Ian Bertram, uh, James Stokoe. I'd put like them. There's a couple other guys in the back of my head. A little bit of Daniel Warren Johnson. Um, I put those in this that style of cartoony art with a still a ton of detail, um, you know, not influenced by manga. Because a lot of cartoony art, if I say cartoony art, generally we start thinking of like manga influences or manga itself. So I'd throw that in there. Radiant Black, I, I don't have any interest in it. It's just a you know, it's another superhero book that is uh, being done by image, you know, they, they have to be done. I got to catch up to Black Hammer. I would probably try Commanders in Crisis before I did this. So that's my, that's my thoughts there. Uh, Rain Like Hammers, number four or five. So I do have issue number one. I don't think, you know what's funny about this book is I don't, I don't think people remember um, that Brandon Graham was one of these, and not that you should cancel him or decide not to read it, and I don't know the whole story either, and I'm gonna read number one for Rain Like Hammers, but I don't think people remember that Brandon Graham was like semi-driven out of 
um, you know, the community for a minute. And somehow his book is being published by Image now. So it, it seems like one of those things that's going to re-break. <laughs> um, you know, unfortunately that happens. Like people forget you did something wrong and then they remember and it's like you have to face it again. Um, like a lot of comedians are getting tweets re rediscovered and stuff like that. So, you know, for him, if he's gotten better and been become a better guy, then that's great. You know, I, and I hope no one finds out about it or, or whatever. But uh, issue number one was weird enough, very indie feel to it. Um, I know a lot of people didn't like it. Savage Dragons on 259. Like, why Why isn't this one and one with Spawn? Like, how how is Savage Dragon... It feels like they came out not, you know, 55 issues apart from each other. So, um, when did Savage Dragon go on a, on a break? Um, scumbag, so Rick Remender with a different artist every time. So, do I like that? Generally, no. But when it doesn't happen that much, be fun to compare issue to issue. Um, interpretations of Recommender's story. So, and Scumbag apparently is way off. So this is definitely one where I read issue one and and then always plan to trade weight it. So that should come in soon. Um, but it's continuing. So good for good for Remender that his book about a, a, a piece of crap is continuing. So um, Shadecraft, that's something I missed. Didn't even notice it. Uh, I didn't notice the number one, so Shadecraft number two is coming out. Joe Henderson and Lee Garbett, who I like, so uh, you know maybe that's something I'll come across later, but uh, not much, and nothing grabs me about it. I don't want to read the solicit in case it does grab me, kind of thing, right? Uh, and continuing with the S's, Silver Coin number one, um, something I'm definitely getting. This is by Chips Darsky and uh, Michael Walsh, who. I guess I should know Michael Walsh as Star Wars and Black Hammer Justice League, but doesn't really come to mind. And uh, and he'll be working with a whole bunch of people, uh, a good list, a pretty good list. So Jeff Lemire is on there, Chip Starsky um, are definitely reasons to buy this. And then Kelly Thompson and Brisson are both uh, really awesome writers as well. So uh, I'll be getting Silver Coin. I don't really know what it's about. Um, the solicit looked interesting enough. This is probably one where I'm jumping on it because of creators a little bit more than than how interesting it sounds so you know that's a way to give something a chance right like creators have have done well enough for you that you're like ah, oh, i'm gonna i'm gonna try that weird thing that i don't really get um that maybe the marketing department didn't explain well enough so um spawn still going 317 uh stray dogs will be at number three so stray dogs is something as i record this something i picked up literally today and i have not read that issue um, I probably should be reading instead of like creating these preview or, you know, content, but uh, I like to talk. So that's why I'm here. Uh, and they're doing horror movie covers. So I got the Candyman horror movie cover. Maybe I'll continue buying the horror movie covers. Um, that's a good way to get me, right? Uh, so here's a licensed book that's interesting. And, you, you know, you only see so many licensed books at, at Image. But uh, Justin Jordan, who is doing the Reavers, which I liked well enough, uh, also only read trade number one. It's a, it's a bad habit. I get it. Um, but I guess a, it's skybound. So that's not, it's not really image to be on it's image, but it's like, you know, Robert Kirkman owns most of it. So they, they got the summoner's war license, which should be meaningless to some people. I think it would be even better if somehow they didn't tell you they had a license because people might skip this because they think it's a licensed property. 
which it is. Um, but Skybound dives into the wondrous world of Summoner War, the popular mobile game. So I thought it was a real game because I think I, have, I actually have Summoner War. Um, like I actually have a Summoner War board game, right? But then I also have it on my phone and I haven't gotten really into it, but uh, I do like it. So um, it's, a, it's probably a good world uh, to exploit in a comic book because there's a whole bunch of like races and classes and the way they fight. Um, a never-ending battle of good and evil kind of thing. So uh, that is something I might grab off the shelf and then decide whether I want to continue with it. But it isn't something I pre-ordered. So, so it, it is what it is. So um, me and one other person are the only... Uh, it is uh, Jennifer from uh, Comics Will Break Your Heart or Comic Books Will Break Your Heart on Instagram. And then the other one is on... Um, on YouTube, so she puts out a lot of content. And uh, so she's reading it, I'm reading this. I really liked issue number one. The, you know, the art has a, uh, like a wanky, like indie feel to it, but I think it was, I think it worked for it. And I like the world that Johnny Christmas is building. And I don't know if it's gonna go on. It just always, Tartarus felt like something that was gonna get canceled pretty quick. But um, it has some kind of following, I guess, so. Tartarus Trade Paperback Volume 2. Um, and that is actually being pre-ordered by me. So uh, I think I had like maybe 60 bucks or 40 bucks for the month in image. Um, and Two Moons, number three. So that's another book where the number one just came out uh, today, um, I believe. And uh, so I'll be getting that. So it's too hard to know uh, whether it's good or not. I also have to avoid the solicit, but it is by um, John Arcudi and uh, Valerio... Uh, uh, Gian Giordano um, so and then you know the covers look fine they don't look they don't look any they don't look anything special uh, but it is it looks like it's like some kind of kaiju book so those those could be hit or miss and we are getting to the end Walking Dead in color so you're either in on that or you're not um, but hey, business-wise, it's genius, because why wouldn't you just reprint these, and all you have to do is pay a colorist, and then, and then you're also in, you know, the new heyday of variant covers, so you can also do a whole bunch of variant covers, so, um, it's really smart, you know, it's just really smart, and Walking Dead is, not only is it popular, it is good, the ones I've read, you know, people really do love the comic as much as they do the show, the people that read the comic, so, it's smart to do, why wouldn't you do it? You're literally just paying printing and a colorist now <clears throat> and then making all the rest of the money. So, hey, I, I said I would probably do Dark Horse with this, but we're going to cut this short. That's already a 45-minute podcast, so uh, I will cut this guy short. Thank you for uh, listening to the uh, Image Comics releases for April 2021. You can find me at Castle Comics on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, also, of course, on YouTube. And uh, like, subscribe, find me on Twitter, let's talk. Find me on, on YouTube, let's just talk comics. Uh, you can also find um, a sports podcast that I should be doing now. That's why I'm doing so many of these podcasts because uh, my my, uh, my partner in MMA crime uh, couldn't get on with me. So I was like, well, I'm still gonna record something, some of these other plans I had. So anyway, you can find that at Chaotic Sports. So um, the audio podcast is the propaganda show. I do all kinds of stuff here. Um, and then the uh, and then you can find all videos and comic talk and all that stuff on Cass and Comics and all the other places I hang out. So thank you guys for listening. Have a great day.